It's very nice to be with you this weekend, and I'm so thankful to God and to you for inviting me over here. You know, um, the Korean pastors when they start to preach, they always do one thing first. Do you know what it is? Huh? Well, yes, some of them pray. Well, definitely I pray before I preach. But the one thing they do not forget, they always do before they preach, is they bow to the congregation. So, maybe <laughs> you feel a little awkward uh, see me doing that, but you know, anyway, I want to do it. Because that is Korean tradition. Uh, maybe I will do it today, and I will do it tomorrow morning. And then I'm not going to do it anymore. Okay? Okay. The reason we, we are doing this is telling people that we are a humble vessel in the hand of the Lord. I'm not God. I'm not the prophet. I'm just interpreter. Sharing the gospel which touches my heart. Sharing the testimony which changed my heart my life. So ministers of, of gospel is not someone who came down from heaven, but someone living with human beings together, suffer together, think together, time to time fall down together, make mistakes together. But I'm sure that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ who called me into the ministry brought me here for a special purpose. So I believe that the Lord is going to just do that, to enlighten us, to fill us with heavenly bread. You know, in sanctuary service, well, outside the sanctuary, the God forbid people of Israel to bake the bread on Sabbath. You know that. They cannot bake the bread on Sabbath. But specially God provided and then commanded them to bake the bread for the show bread in the sanctuary. Did you know that? Do you know what, what was the purpose? The purpose was because God wanted to make His people to have a fresh bread, hot bread from the oven every Sabbath. Not stale bread. Been there last week. But hot and fresh bread every Sabbath. I'll tell you what. Because many ministers, including, including myself sometimes, because do not, they do not study the word. They do not apply this word into their own lives. They usually preach stale heavenly bread. Well, they call it heavenly bread, which is not. Stale bread, which is not the bread of life. So I'd like to invite you to pray with me at this time to feed us heavenly bread, the bread of life, from heaven directly. Not from me, but from Holy Spirit. Let's all kneel and pray first. Our gracious Heavenly Father, before Thee, we are trembling. 
because we are nothing. Because you died and saved us through that grace, by faith, we come and approach to you. Oh, Father, we came into the sacred hour, the Holy Sabbath. Father, teach us and feed us and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us your hot bread from the oven baked in heaven. Oh, Father, feed these faithful brothers and sisters in the Lord with the message that they can be inspired and be transformed in their own life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before I preach tonight, I would like to apologize one thing. Well, I gave uh, uh, my sermon titles, six of them, ahead of time, but this weekend my sermon titles are going to be in a way rearranged, or some of them are going to be omitted and a new one are going to be inserted. So uh, my sermons are not going to be exactly uh, order as you can see in the program. So, please do not anticipate uh, you will hear exactly the same sermon on the program. Now, second thing is this. Normally, when I preach, I preach in Korean. I wish you can understand Korean so that I can preach more freely. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so, uh, uh, preaching in English is not... It's not uh, it's not that uh, free with me, so you have to bear with my English time to time. Well, but I know that Holy Spirit is going to give me the gift of speaking in tongue. One day, I went to about you know many years ago. I one day I went to America, one of the, one of the American church, churches, SDA Church of course, and I sat down in the last pew. And while the minister asked people to kneel and give an individual prayer, well, when I do the individual prayer, I don't, I don't pray softly. I rather want to pray, not out loud, I mean with the people, but I want to pray a little bit, you know, with, uh, you know, with the words. Um, so I prayed in Korean. And then uh, after I p- finished my prayer, the lady sitting in front of me. Well, she kind of, with, with awkward look, looked back toward me, and she, well, later on, she told me this. She thought I was speaking in tongue. Like uh, in Pentecostal churches. Well, anyway, that was a very, very interesting uh, experience. <clears throat> Tonight, I was going to give you my own testimony. But uh, since uh, the more people are going to come tomorrow morning, I'd rather postpone it until tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to talk about my own experience, how the Lord led me into true conversion experience, how the Lord saved my family, and how the Lord led me into independent ministry, 
how the Lord led me and allowed me to have some difficulties in the church. Why it happened and how it happened. By sharing my own testimony, I think God is going to teach you something at the time we are living in. I think we are living in a very, very difficult time, especially in our church. So tonight I'm going to talk about a little bit about sanctuary. Why? Because the sanctuary is one of the most favorite, favorite doctrine that I preach, that I teach in Korean churches. You know, our forefathers knew the sanctuary doctrine very, very well. And uh, many people, people think that uh, maybe the Sabbath is the one made that made us to become Seventh-day Adventists. It is not. The Sabbath doctrine was long time ago. It's been ex- existed, as, we, as we, you and I all know. The sanctuary doctrine is the one really made us Seventh-day Adventists. So we should know sanctuary doctrine very well. Do you know every doctrine, every teaching in Seventh-day Adventism can be proven by the sanctuary message? Do you know that? The state of death, millennium, the Sabbath, the doctrine of the salvation, everything. You name it, every doctrines and teachings we know in our Seventh-day Adventist church can be proven and supported by the sanctuary service. You see, when we study this, it's an overwhelming experience we can have every time especially for my own life. There was a, one minister in, in, uh, in America a long time ago, one of, one of our pioneers. It happened this way. Well, on Sabbath morning, he was preaching sanctuary message. He was preaching his heart out. But the sanctuary, I mean, the, the church itself was small and stuffy. It was a hot day. So this old minister, he... He finished about half of, half of his sermon, and because it's it stuffy and hot weather, he fainted and f- fell down backward flat. But do you know what happened next? The head elder of the church came up and finished the sermon. That much our people knew about the sanctuary doctrines. They knew upside down everything from beginning to the end. But nowadays, since the new theology came into the church, our people do not understand about the sanctuary. Because they do not understand the sanctuary, they're all misconceived about the process of the salvation gospel. Many people believe they think they're enough with the justification experience. But our sanctuary doctrine doesn't tell us that. You see, the justification experience is only courtyard experience. You see, our sanctuary system doesn't end that. It's a starting experience, as we know. So sanctuary is very, very important. Why did God told us to make a sanctuary? Why God ordered Moses to erect a sanctuary among them? Well, As you said, let's open Exodus chapter 25, verse 8. Exodus chapter 25, verse 8. We all know this scripture particularly very, very well. 
and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. This is the reason. You see, God wants to live among us. Why? Because He loves us. That is the only reason He loves us so much. He wants to be near with us. As a matter of fact, these are ages says, all the creatures that created in the universe are created to become a sanctuary that, so that the presence of God can dwell in them. Every creature from the sheriff to human being were all created to become a sanctuary. The living indwelling of Holy Spirit. You know, the reason God ordered Moses to, to build a sanctuary is because God wants to live together with us. You know, if we live together, we can do a lot of things together. We can talk a lot. And most of all, we can understand each other very, very well. Let's suppose this brother Ross came to our, our home and lived together for one year. Do you think we get to know each other very well? Obviously. You see, and I will know what kind of food he likes. I will know when he rises, when he goes, goes to sleep, and what kind of food he, he, he likes and everything. And then, you know, I will know if he yells to his wife or not, you see. I know he doesn't. And he will know, I don't yell at my wife, you see. We will know each other very, very well and closely. That's why God wants us to know Him better, to know Him more. That's why God gave us the sanctuary service. But our Seventh-day Adventists, they do not understand the sanctuary, many of them, especially young people in our days. You see, when I was in, in, in the high school, you see, I wasn't born Seventh-day Adventist, but when I was like six years old, no, I mean, but four or five years old, uh, my mother became an Adventist from, from godly Presbyterian woman. She became Adventist when I was young. And uh, so I went to Adventist, Adventist school for all my life, from primary school to middle school to high school to college, and then, and then Andrews Seminary. From the graduate school to the... Um, grade school to the graduate school. I all went through the SA schools. But you know what? All those years of schooling did not really teach me about the sanctuary. That is the sad part of the education in Adventism nowadays. They do not teach our kids right stuff. And they think if we bring in the celebration movement, celebration worship style, or guitars, or electrical guitars, or, or some kind of drums, or lively worship service, or very loose and uh, uh, liberal uh, lifestyles, they think they can contain young people in our church. They get it all wrong. If we give our, our, our church if we give our young people in our church the, the straight stuff, straight testimony, the right stuff, right gospel, they will stay in the church. I know it by experience. You know the church, well, it's an independent church. I'm sorry to, to, to tell you that. But 
I'll tell you why, how it happened, why it happened. I'll tell you, we wanted to be part of the conference for, I mean, with all our heart. We sat down and discussed matters with the conference president, but we could not. Because all the, all the oppositions and wrong rumors they, they, they spread, they would not accept us. Well, actually, conference is willing, but the Korean brethren, Korean, my fellow ministers, would not allow us to be part of. Well, anyway, if you ever can come to America and visit our church, please come to Atlanta, Georgia. We are located about one and a half miles, I mean, one and a half, half hours north of Atlanta. It's beautiful countryside. If you come to our church, you will see lively, energetic, about 50 or 60 young people in the church. They love the Lord. They love the message. Why? Because they hear the strange message from the Lord every Sabbath. That's why. It's not celebration worship. It's not liberal lifestyle. will not continue our young people. Not even you. The strange message from the Lord, from the Bible, will contain us to the Lord. You know, when I was in, in high school, the Bible teacher comes in and said, and said, well, we are going to study sanctuary again. And I was always said, oh, no, not that again. You know what I'm saying? I hated sanctuary, sanctuary, sanctuary service study because they presented all kinds of rituals and ceremonies without God in it. That's the problem. You see, sanctuary service is designed to show God, teach us God, make us come closer to God and love God more. You know, we are in the sanctuary. Do you know that? And I always call the Sabbath is the sanctuary. The Sabbath is a time sanctuary. When I come to the Friday night, I always have an overwhelming feeling. When Mrs. Hawkins took, took me here from the airport, you know, as we drive, come near to, to the Gaisley, I told her, well, this nice countryside, this scenery, it's just right for me to prepare my heart for Sabbath. You know, when I come to Sabbath, every time, it just overwhelms my feelings. Do you know why? God does not ask us to come to a certain place to worship. God doesn't ask us to, to come to a certain lake to worship. God doesn't ask us to come to a certain tree to worship. But God himself comes to us in the timing. So that everybody around the world, around the globe, everybody can understand God and worship God in that time sanctuary. You know, as we come to the sanctuary service, you know, uh, I wish I can have a picture here or the uh, blackboard that I can draw, but I mean, the, uh, since we don't have, please picture in your mind. Imagine this in your mind, okay? When a sinner comes to the sanctuary what does he have to do the first thing he has to do is that he has to select a spotless blameless lamb right or goat right so they have to they have to go around in their barnyard right well which one should I bring 
they have to select the best one, the spotless one. You see, the, uh, the priest actually, they will investigate. You see, and say, well, uh, this one has crossed eyes. Oh, well, this one has, a, has a, you know, twisted legs. You cannot take this. You cannot bring it. So they will investigate. So you have to bring a, a pure lamb, spotless lamb, because it symbolizes Jesus Christ. While they were selecting, they're looking to Jesus Christ. And they're looking themselves wicked, sinful. They're yearning for righteous experience, the pure experience, cleansing experience, purging experience. And then as bring their lamb toward the sanctuary, you see, first thing they have to do is recognize their sins openly. Before all the people, you see, people, when they see a someone bring the lamb to the sanctuary, how would they think? They say, hmm, I wonder this time, brother so-and-so, I wonder what this time, what did he do? So he has to go to the sanctuary. When he brings the lamb, he has to openly admit that he's a sinner. And then before he goes into the sanctuary, which is the holy place, symbolically, when a when the, when the priest eat a small portion of the, of the flesh or bring the blood into the sanctuary, which is the holy place, right? Well, symbolically, the sinner goes into the holy place. Before he goes into the sanctuary, he has to remove all known sins from his heart. That is what sanctuary is teaching us. You see, before we have a justification experience, at least we have to remove all known sins from our system, from our mind, from our thoughts. That's justification. You see, same thing. Before we come to Sabbath, what do we do? We have to confess all our sins first. You see, I used to, as a, as a preacher... I used to preach this way. All oh, my brothers and sisters in Adventist church. All oh, you heavy laden. With heavy burdens. All oh, you came to right place. Let's all lay all our sins and burdens before this altar. Let's confess our sins. That's for forgiveness. I was all wrong. Before sundown, you and I have to take care of all our sins before the presence of God. Before the sanctuary of the time draws nigh, we have to bring the Lamb. We have to confess all the sins you have ever committed in your past life and past week. Bring all down to the altar and say, Lord, forgive me. And you have to be really, really sorry, heartfelt sorry for the sin you have committed. And then have a cleansing experience. And then you are right to come into the sanctuary of time. That is what we call Sabbath. I know many Seventh-day Adventists, they don't do that. That's why they do not get special spiritual food and blessings in store for you and for me. Now, the sanctuary is not designed to teach us the interior color design or color combinations. Some 
teachers are teaching the sanctuary service and teach mostly about color combinations, like you know, uh, lavender, <laughs> red, and blue, and white. You see, I know there are significant meanings in colors in sanctuary service, but that is not why God gave us sanctuary. The purpose giving uh, giving the sanctuary to us is know God more and better. That is the only reason. Well, some people. Well, teaching how to pray through the sanctuary. Well, I'm not opposing the sanctuary prayer. It's a, it, it has a good part in it. But that is not the reason God gave us sanctuary. The sanctuary, the purpose of sanctuary, is to teach us about God. So that we are going to have a desire to leave God and more closer. <clears throat> well, let's open Hebrew chapter 8. Hebrew chapter 8. Verse, through, uh, verse 3 through 5, I will read. For every high priest is appointed to, to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. Now, without the sanctuary, there's no need of high priest, Right? Do we have high priest up in heaven? Yes. Then is there any sanctuary up in heaven? Yes. So sanctuary in earthly is just shadow and copy of the true sanctuary up in heaven, as we know. Let's go on. Verse 4. For if we were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. You see, it says pattern. Okay, let me tell you this way. Because I block the light, the shadow cast behind me. Without me, real model, there will be no shadow. God showed heavenly sanctuary to Moses and told him, Moses, I give you and I show you heavenly sanctuary, the design. You build it accordingly, exactly, perfect measure. That's what he did. So this earthly sanctuary system and service show us and tell us exactly what is going on up in heaven. Without this, we will not understand the ministry of Jesus Christ. If we understand of the sanctuary, we can see three phases and three parts. We can see justification, sanctification, and perfection or glorification. And, and then if this is our teachings, how dare many ministers and many elders are, te are telling us that justification is not for our salvation. That is an abomination. That is not right. That's, that's destroying our souls, our people. Now, let's talk about outer white linen wall first. When, when sinner comes along with the lamb, the first thing he sees is what? 
the white linen wall. And he longs for white righteous experience, which he does not have right now. You see, always sanctuary invite the sinners. The smoke's going up all the time. The incense going up all the time. Something was boiling, I mean, burning in the sanctuary all the time, going up toward heaven all the time. Do you know why? Inviting the sinners, please come, I'm here. I have the method and power to cleanse your sin. I can solve your problem. What is your problem? Come, I'm here. It's inviting the sinners. You know, our sanctuary in the church, the Sabbath sanctuary service should invite the sinners as well. Let's go to uh, Revelation chapter 19 and verse, verse 9. Revelation chapter 19, verse 8. What the white linen stands for? That's right. Revelation chapter 19, verse 8. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the what? Saints. All right, now where are the saints getting this righteous robe from? From Jesus Christ. So always, if you see the sanctuary service, it always symbolizes both things. The experience of the saints and the experience of Jesus Christ. So sanctuary service always represents two things. For you and for Christ. So do not... Don't be deceived. Don't let anyone tell you the saints in, the, in this world cannot become like Jesus Christ. Oh, brothers and sisters, the sanctuary service screams at us to become perfect. Like Jesus Christ was perfect in His character. Now, um, you know, the uh, if you read uh, chapter one of, one of Job. I'm not going to read it now. You see, Satan said to to uh, to to God, Jesus Christ, actually, I said, "Well, God, you know, no man serves you without any reason. See, this Job, you call him faithful and pure, you know, without sin. But this Job, because you put a hedge around him, that's why he's serving you faithfully. So." Even Satan acknowledges that God is putting the hedge around the people. Two reasons. Two, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, two reasons. If you keep God's commandment, and then if you have the faith of Jesus Christ, God is going to put a hedge around you Amen. to teach you, to protect you. I tell you, no, no one, let no one deceive you on this point. Whether you are disfellowshipped, whether you are welcomed in the church or not, whether you are recognized or unrecognized, as long as in your daily life, if you keep God's commandment, not by your own power, of course, by the power of the Holy Spirit through your surrendering experience, and then if you have a faith of Jesus Christ, like the faith Jesus had, when he was living in this world. And always the thousands of angels 
are going to come to you as your protection. And God promised through the sanctuary service, I am going to put a hedge around you. No one can touch you. You see, unless if you live that godly life, then Satan cannot touch you. I guarantee you, because the Bible says so. Even to Job, unless God allows him, Satan could not touch him. Not even with one finger. He could not touch him. As long as we are loyal to God and His commandment with faith. You know, you and I are going to go through a time of travel very soon. Whether you know it or not, I have in my heart strong conviction Jesus Christ is going to come very, very soon. Maybe you and I will never see year 2000. That's what I believe it. I don't care people, people you know, uh, criticize me on this point. That's all right. Let them do it. That's my personal conviction for so long. My wife and I, when we pray, that is the impression that, I, that we get from the Holy Spirit somehow. You know, before this time comes, God is going to do two things with one method. God is going to knock this world economy down very, very severely. You and I are going to experience economic collapse very, very soon in England and in America. Through this experience, I'm sorry to say that, include the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Many, many systems and organizations are going to collapse completely. And then God is going to use His pure people, true people, who are loyal in keeping God's commandment, no matter what they say. Oh, we are sinful, we cannot keep His commandment perfectly. In that apostasy, among it, God is going to have pure people who have faith of Jesus Christ, like Job, like Enoch, like Elijah, like John the Baptist, like Daniel. You know, Ellen White said, God has Enoch's in every generation. In every generation, she, she said, I believe it because he is a prophet of God. Don't you? God has pure people everywhere. It doesn't mean we claim to be pure. You know, the funny thing is that as we come closer and closer to Jesus Christ, we, we become more filthy as we feel as far as we are concerned, right? But our experience is going to be deeper and deeper. We rather want to die than sin. God is going to have this kind of people. And then, God is going to finish the church. Finish the, uh, I mean, finish the, finish the ministry of the church. Finish, finish the work. But how can God make and produce this kind of pure people and last generation? Through the experience of the sanctuary service. Oh friends, I cannot tell you and teach you everything that I know with this short period of time, this weekend. It takes weeks. That's, that's what I'm doing with my people now, nowadays. Well, anyway, I challenge you to study, personally. Please pray on your knees, study, open the world, and study like you never did. Because you and I are going to go through 
very, very hard time. You know, I'm Korean. I know what hard time means. I know what suffering means. I know what hardship means. Maybe a little more than you do. Korean church experienced one very sad sin of the history. You know, all our church leadership abandoned the church. They signed the document, yes, we, don't, we are not going to believe this anymore. They closed the church when Japan invaded Korea and ruled about 30-some years. The Korean Seventh-day Adventist Church experienced a terrible, terrible ordeal. I'll tell you, union president, conference presidents, they all left the church. To some ministers, they went out to make a, make a living. They worked on the Sabbath. They abandoned the faith. But small minority, small number, number of lay people they began to work behind the door, underground. They are the ones who kept the church for 30, 60 years among that terrible ordeal. Oh, people, my brothers and sisters in England, I, I appeal to you, I, 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 I challenge to you. You are the ones who are going to keep up the standard of the church when the time of Christ hit the church in England. I know it. I know it by experience. You know, okay, the sockets and bars and rings for the outer linen wall was made out of what? Little keys. Bronze, right? Bronze. Okay? Okay, what in the court what the labor was made out of. Labor. Same thing. Brass, right? Okay, what about the altar? Same thing, brass, isn't it? Okay, now let me ask you this. What about, let's go into the inside of the sanctuary. What about the table of showbread? Gold. Seven sticks. Lambs, gold. The altar of incense, gold. Why is it? What about the ark which contains ten commandments in it? Made out of what? Gold. Why? Because, because Moses made boo-boo? No, why? You see, always when God does something, He has purpose. You see? Now, we have to understand this throughout our journey as a Christian. We, we are going through two experiences. Outer courtyard experience and inside sanctuary experience. You see, bronze or brass are composite matters, right? They're composite matters. They're, they're not pure matters. Alright? Now, uh, brass are composite matters between copper and what? Tin. Copper and tin. But gold or silver is what? It's pure matter. 
When we come to Jesus Christ with our sin, okay, we are imperfect. But at that time, we have to give all our sins to Jesus Christ. We have to, we have to transfer all our sins to Jesus Christ. When the sinner brings the lamb, and then he put his hand over his head, and he confessed sins, right? And with really heartfelt sorrow for his sins, he prays, he confesses his sins. And his sins transfer to the lamb, right? And then who kills the lamb? Sinner himself kills the lamb. He draws the knife from his bosom and kills him. Well, actually, when he kills, he kills from the ear to ear. He cut, cut from ear to ear like this. You know what I mean? You know, Abraham, when he brought Isaac to the Mount of Moriah, do you know what happened? You see, God said, well, Abraham, bring your only son Isaac. Bring to the Mount of Moriah. And then you give a burnt offering to me. Do you know what that means? That means cut Isaac's net from ear to ear like this. Not just killing like this and, and pray. No. Burnt offering, if you read from chapter 1 through 4 in Leviticus, burnt offering means cutting the neck from ear to ear like this and cutting open of, of the belly of the lamb all the way down like this. That's burnt offering. That's precisely what God asked Abram to do. Would you do it for your own sons and daughters? It's a terrible, terrible trial for for, for, for Abraham. There's a total dedication in man. You see, not only that, you see, cut from ear to ear and cut open all the way down here and then open the belly and take all the intestines, all the organs out, cut it, wash it in the water and lay them on the altar. You see, burnt offering altar. That's what it meant, burnt offering. Exactly that's what it means, justification. When we are justified, we are not only recognized by God, ourselves are totally surrendered and given to God. We made the sin, Lord, I'm not going to take the sins anymore. Lord, I have, by faith I'm come to you. You are going to provide me the power so that I don't have to commit these sins anymore. With this faith, you come to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I lay down myself before you. Lord, please cleanse me. Which means, neck ear to ear, cut the neck, open everything that you have. You see, that means, Lord, I have stomach here. Now from now on, I'm going to dedicate my stomach to you. I am going to eat only the things you want me to eat. Do you know what I mean? And his lungs, I'm going to clean the lungs and give it to you, Lord. This is dedication for you. This is my burnt offering, living sacrifice. This is what it meant, Apostle Paul, when he wrote a Romans chapter 12, 1, 2, giving your body living sacrifice. That means a burnt offering he meant. He understood the sanctuary message very, very well. He was a Pharisee. Remember? You see, which means, okay, this, here's a long, Lord, take it. 
I am going to breathe the air, only clean airs. You see, that's why Ellen White said, leave the city, leave the city. If there's any person here still living in crowded, smoke-filled, you know, polluted center of city in England, I don't know where you are, but you have to think. Because when we dedicate, we have to dedicate with all the messages that we know. You see, so, you know, this is justification. When you come, you only have a brass experience. And then when you have this experience done, you can go into the sanctuary and can have a pure experience with the Lord. Why? Because your sins has went out from your system. Because voluntarily, you decided. You made your mind. Willingly, you gave up those sins. And then Jesus Christ, by His precious blood, purged your sins from your life. That's why you can enjoy the sanctified life in the sanctuary. That's a sanctification. Sanctification is not, not correcting your errors and sins in your life. Many, many preachers are preaching that way. That's why our people are dying. They have misconceived the idea of salvation. It's not. Very plainly, Ellen White said, the sanctification is the maintaining of our justification experience. That's why God gave us sanctuary message. If we understand sanctuary service, we will not have chaos like we are in a you know, church like this. Well, let's open Isaiah chapter 1, verse 25. Well, it's time to stop, isn't it? Well, I, I'll stop in just a few minutes, okay? <laughs> Isaiah chapter 1, verse 25, 26. I'm reading out of the uh, uh, New King James Version, so uh, it may uh, differ with you time to time, the wording. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 25, 26. It goes this way. I will turn my hand against you and thoroughly purge away your what? Dross. And take away all your what? Alloy, which is tin. You see, outer court, all the support system pillars and the sockets and rings, all the burnt offering altar. That's why we call blazing altar. And the labor is blazing labor. This all outer court which we experience our, our uh, primitive experience of Christianship. Okay, these all are made by the brass, which is composite matter. Okay? But it says, well, I am going to purge out all the dross from you. This is the experience we should have as a last generation. Oh, brothers and sisters, you see, Jesus Christ is going to see this kind of people who purged away all their dresses, dresses from their life. The sins. The tin represent the sin. At the same time, as I told you, you see, the sanctuary service represents our own personal spiritual experience and journey at the same time. Most of all, it represents Jesus Christ and His experience when He was in this world. Now, 
You see? Now, place and altar represent what kind of ministry of Jesus Christ? And in what point of time? The altar. The altar represent the ministry of Jesus Christ of what? Crucifixion. Jesus Christ died on Calvary. Right? Okay. Now, in that, we can learn good lesson. You see, Jesus Christ came down just like you and I. You see, tin and copper made of brass. Same thing. Jesus Christ, the holy God, divine God, came down well, through by the me- medium of Holy Spirit in a sinful flesh just like you and I and lived among us. He became really pitched tent as a sanctuary among us. Now, which means, it means this. You see? Only the one who experienced like you and I can understand us. Only who are tempted like us can understand us. Only who are tempted and overcame can succor us. So this, this sanctuary service and, and uh, ceremonies can tell us about Jesus Christ very easily. But let me tell you, and last one, and I will finish tonight. If you read Leviticus chapter 14, you are going to see the ritual of the cleansing, uh, ritual of the cleansing of the cleansed lepers. Does it ring the bell? Okay. Now, chapter 14 of Leviticus is, is talking about ritual of the cleansing of the cleansed lepers. When the leper was healed or cleansed, cleansed. yeah, cleansed, well, he can come to the priest. Well, actually, the same priest, uh, uh, preferably, uh, who condemned that person as a leper, came back to the priest. And then the priest is going to do something. This is just beautiful. I will finish tonight with this illustration. They are, they are bringing two birds, two sparrows actually, two small birds, and then two earthen vessels, and then hyssop, and cedar, and scarlet thread, and water. You see, two earthen vessels represent, you see, sinner like you and I, and one vessel represents Jesus Christ. Blood, of course, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his blood. And then two birds, they symbolize the sinner and Jesus Christ. Always, that's what sanctuary message is telling us. And the cedar and a scarlet thread and water. Well, water is the is a life from heaven. It's from Jesus Christ. Right? Living water. Alright? What happened is this. When the priest priest take a two earthen vessels, in one vessel put a water in. Okay? And there's one another earthen vessel on the ground. And then this priest wrung the neck of one bird and killed him. 
and then drip the blood into the water of one vessel, like this. Squeeze it and, and dripping the blood like this. And then put the cedar and the hyssop in there. And then, not only in, the, in, in, that, in that vessel and the water and, and hyssop and cedar, he was wringing the neck and dripping the blood on the live, living bird. After he's done that, he let this living bird fly away like this. And this living bird stretches his wings and fly away. When he flips his wings like this, he's dripping the blood through all the airs and the ground. And he's finally free. He's flying away. It symbolizes Jesus Christ died on the cross and free us from the sin. Not only the sins we committed in the past, but those sins really nagging you now. The sins you are bondage of now. The sins make you a slave now. Can free you. The blood of Jesus Christ has power. I know it. The blood of Jesus Christ saved me from the bondage of the sin. As an old age minister, I was a sinner. Nobody knew about that. I didn't commit sin. I didn't commit open sins. I didn't went out to steal things or rob some bank or, or commit adultery with some wife. I didn't do that. But I had a full of sinful desires in me. I could not do anything about that. But when I came to realization of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and His gospel, I was released. In this Sabbath, solemn, beautiful night, if in this beautiful tent, if there's someone, anyone, Still, you know, you have nagging feelings. You do not have perfect peace with God. You pray beside your bed before you go to bed. And say, Lord, I claim your blood and your mercy and your power. And he is going to do the same miracle he did for me and for my wife and for my two children. You know, Not only, not only blood of Jesus Christ save us from sin and bondage of sin. You see, he cleansed our air we breathe from the curse of sin. Not only that, you see, this living, living bird fly away, dripping the blood. He soaks into the earth. It means someday Jesus Christ, by the, by the action of, of the cross, he is going to purge the earth from the curse of the sin. Isn't that wonderful? And then, you know, Cyril is the tallest trees in the country of the Israel. And then Hesop is the smallest plant they can find, which means not only free the sinners from sin and sin of bondage, but he can free every animals, every air, every ground, every plants and trees from the curse of sin. So sanctuary is crying out that there's a God who is going to transform this earth and the sinners. And He is going to come soon. He died on the cross, but He is going to come soon 
to rescue people without sins. Are you ready? Are you ready? And I believe Jesus Christ is, is going to come very soon. I hope you pray tonight to Jesus Christ so that He can really cleanse and purge your heart from all the dross. God bless you. Amen.